being in the house of the Lord. You may be just seated for just a moment, then I'll have you stand right back up for the reading of the Word. We are so thankful to have all of our guests with us today. And if you were not able to uh, sign up, if you are a guest here today, if you are not able to sign up for our giveaways, that will be they will be given away uh, after service. And uh, just find an usher or find someone next to you and tell them, I, I don't think I filled that out. And they will go get you something. We don't want a mass herd of people going out to the lobby uh, because we do feel like it's very important that we're in here for the word of the Lord. Today is about Jesus Christ. It's not about me. It's not about anyone. But we are thankful that our guests are with us today. And we want to make sure that you have every opportunity uh, for our giveaways. We have some really neat things that are going on. And if you do not have a home church, we would so be so honored and privileged if you would call Jesus Name Community Church your home church and join our family. Uh, we are so we 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 are a great church. Not saying that braggadociously. Uh, by no means because we have not arrived and we have a long ways to go but the people that make up Jesus name community church are not perfect people but they are good people they are not flawless people but they are very sincere and genuine people and we're thankful uh, to have you with us today and I believe that you'd be a great part if you have your Bibles I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 26 I'm going to be reading verses 31 and 30 through 34. And then the book of Mark, if you have that, go to the book of Mark, chapter 16, verses 4 through 7. I do understand that it is Easter and this is a day uh, that many families gather together and they hunt Easter eggs and they go out to eat together. And a lot of times this may be some of the only uh, moments you have with family. And uh, so I do want to be very conscientious of your time and consider it. And so I'm going to do my best to preach. I will, if you, if you will help me preach today, I will not preach over 30 minutes. Is that a, the home folks like somebody run the aisles right now? Somebody say amen. That is, that is the honest to goodness truth. I'm going to do my, my best to get you out of here quick. But I do feel like I have a word for somebody today. An encouraging word. A word that's going to lift your spirits. A word that's going to remind you that God is not finished with you. That God has something for you. And that God has not left you nor forsaken you. And I want to make sure that we give that and give the Lord a, a, a time and ability to be able to, to speak to us. Verse 31 says in Matthew chapter 26, Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, and we understand what he's talking about when he's talking to us or talking to the disciples I will go before you into Galilee Peter answered and said unto him though all men shall be offended because of thee yet will I never be offended Peter is talking and listening to the man that changed his life he snatched him out of a boat and literally gave him a purpose 
And this man that, that changed his life is speaking in to Peter, speaking to them. And he's basically telling them what is about to happen. And he says, you're going to be offended. And, pa and Peter said, he said, though men shall be offended because of thee, he says, yet will I never be offended. He was very confident in his walk with God and his love for Jesus Christ. But Jesus knew, he knew better. Jesus is a very smart individual, we know that. That's an understatement. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter, he says, Though I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. They said, that can't happen. How many knows it doesn't matter what stage or what, what part of the journey you're on. We better stay prayed up because it doesn't matter who we are, where we are, how long we're li we've lived for God. Any man can fall. Can I get an amen? It doesn't matter. And so you turn to the book of Mark, chapter 16. We know the story. Jesus does not lie. Before the cock crowed, Peter had denied him thrice. So you go to the book of Mark chapter 16, verses 4 through 7. And when they looked, this is after the crucifixion, he was put in the tomb. They saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were afraid. And he saith unto them, Be not afraid, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him, but go your way. And this is what I want you to see. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter and Peter I want to preach to you today Brantley helped me with my title I want to preach to you this, this afternoon this Easter and Peter and Peter it will make sense in a moment hopefully would you lift your hands and your voice and would you pray with me Lord we love you today God we thank you God, what a beautiful Sunday. What a beautiful Resurrection Sunday we have today, Lord. And God, God, how awesome would it be, God, on this beautiful day with Easter eggs and children looking beautiful and people bringing their best to you today, God. How amazing would it be, God, that before we left this place, you reached for some lost soul, God. Lord, that you would fill somebody with your spirit. Lord, I'm asking you, God, to let your spirit move in this place. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray somebody shout amen. amen clap your hands as you're being seated this afternoon stay with me just just for a few moments it was the last chapter of the book of Mark early that morning of the first day of the week several women came to the tomb where Jesus should have been and they brought spices to anoint him. And while they were there, they did not find Jesus. They met an angel who gave them the news. Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus 
who was crucified, he is not here. He has been raised. I could preach on that for a lot longer than 30 minutes. Because can I tell you today, Brother Jake Rogers already said it, there is not a place that you can go with some other religion or some other God where there is not a statue or a tomb where they reside. But when you go to the tomb of Jesus, literally tourists all over the world travel to a tomb to see absolutely nothing because we serve a God who is not lying in a grave or or a sepulcher or a tomb but we serve a God who is breathing and very much alive and all powerful. I wonder if somebody would stand to their feet and say God thank you for being alive. Thank you. Our God is not dead. And so the angel lets them know that. He says that you came looking for Jesus and Jesus, although was crucified and breath left his body for a moment, he has risen. And then he says this line, but go tell his disciples and Peter. What was he trying to say there? Why? Why was it important? That he specify, because Peter was one of the disciples, why not just throw them all in there? Why not just bunch them all together? Why not make it easy and just say, hey, go tell the disciples. But rather the message sent for the, from the angel, it was very clear. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Why bring attention to Peter? Why didn't the Lord single out John? Have you ever thought of that? Why, Brother Tommy Wilbanks, why, why didn't he single out the beloved disciple? Or, or, or maybe, maybe Thomas. Why? Why would you not give special attention to someone else? Why did he single out Peter from all the others, uh, others? Why in the world would you take the time with the, with the, with the, 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 the main plan, the grand scheme at risk? Everything is about to be set in place. Why take your attention off of that and focus on one? First off, let me make mention of the focus of God always has had for the one. He's always had a focus on the one. That's why his word says the shepherd would leave the ninety and nine and go after the one. There's a reason why all through the scripture where he shows different places where he would leave the crowds and he would leave the masses and he would walk over to the one who was in need. Let me tell you today that God has always been interest, interested in that one individual that needs his help. He's in the singling out business. You say, I'm in here. I can hide amongst the crowd. Let me tell you, God's intentions today is not for you to come here and hide amongst the crowd. His intentions today was to find you on that specific seat in this specific building and have a word for you. 
He's always been interested in the one. God loves you so much. He doesn't want you hiding in the crowd this afternoon. He wants to speak to you individually. You say, give me Bible for it. He's walking through the streets with the masses around. When the woman of the issue of blood touches the hem of his garment, the crowd had to wait because the one was in need. I don't know what you came in this place with today. I don't know what you walked. I don't know what kind of baggage. But let me tell you, don't you think that God doesn't have time for you? The rest of us may have to wait because God came in this place to let that one individual that maybe Easter was the only time he was going to get a chance. Maybe today was the only time to be able to speak to that one Zacchaeus has climbed a tree in hopes of catching the attention of our Savior. Jesus immediately spots the one desperate enough to climb the tree. Zacchaeus, come down from there. He says, you're about to have an encounter with the Son of Man. And he left the crowd to give an ear to the one. I'm telling somebody today, you ought to know you, you couldn't have come to church today and expect not to receive anything. God has noticed you. God has spotted you. God sees you. He sees you. There was even one time that God is so focused on the one. He's so focused on that one individual that maybe nobody else cares about. That the county has threw out. That the city has threw out. That the family has kicked out. He's so focused on the one that there was one particular time, Brother Kevin, that he jumped on a boat. And he did. He got the disciples involved too. He said, look, if you're going to be part of me and in my kingdom, he said, you've got to learn to love the one. Because if you can't love the one, I don't need you leading the crowd. He said, jump on this boat and the Bible will tell you that they rode over and there was a storm that come. It put them all at risk and they floated on over anyways and he stepped on that island and there it come was a man called Legion. You remember the story and the Bible says that he ran to Jesus' feet. He fell down at his feet and he began to worship him and he picked him up and the Bible says that he spoke to the demons to come out and he cast them into the swine and the swine into the sea and this is what I wanted you to notice but the Bible says that after he did all that that he got back on the boat and he went back to where he came so you're telling me that he got, he got out all of the disciples, put them on a boat, put their lives at risk, walked over or rode over the sea and stepped on the island, not for a conference, not for a camp meeting, not for the masses, not for the city over there that kicked him out, not for the families. He rode all of that just for one demon-possessed man, just to lay hands on him and change his life forever. And Brother Tommy, when he got through, he got back on the boat and went from which he came. I'm telling you today, God is interested in that one. I wish I'm going to make you stand up. If you're excited about that, about a God that loves you and not loves the crowd and not necessarily the crowd but a God that loves you he loves you he loves you he loves you he died for you he took nails in his hands for you he wore a crown of thorns for you and me individually 
There's a lot of people in this building today. But can I tell you, he came for you. You may have thought you came here by accident. You may have thought you showed up because you were late and missed the first service. And so, well, I guess we can go to Brother Porterfield's because it's at two. No, 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 no. No, let me tell you, it was not by chance and it was not by accident. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. God does nothing by chance. And he knew that you'd get here today because he wanted to let you know that you serve a God that loves you individually. And he wants to see you change. He wants to turn your life around. And so he says, and Peter, go tell the disciples, and Peter. Peter had denied Christ. And what's so probably tormenting Peter, because Jesus himself had solemnly warned his disciples, you remember the scripture, where he says, whosoever deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. In the most crucial moment in the history of God's kingdom, Peter has betrayed and denied Jesus. I wonder if those words were playing over in his mind. Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus even warned him and yet he still failed. He still failed. Bible says, verse 34, that this night... For the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Peter said, Jesus, I would never deny you. Can I tell you that there's been preachers say as much? That there's been women of God say as much. There's been people that have been in this thing deeper than anyone. That's got root pedigree generation after generation. Six generations that their family lived for God. Had everything that they needed. Had all the teachings that anyone could ever want. Had everything, every opportunity that they needed. And they too... There's some people in this place, this very place today, that you have failed God many times. Many times. You're looking at a preacher holding this mic tonight or today that I have failed God many times. Many times. Oh, so many times. So many times, Brother Bud, that I can't even count. Brother Paulie, so many times that I can't even keep up with it. I, if I, I can't remember all the times that I've sinned. I can't, well, I can't, if I kept a journal, I'd have to buy a Walmart out to be able to write down every time that I failed God. But yet, I can't keep coming back and he keeps taking me back ain't sin I keep showing back up and he keeps forgiving me I keep failing him and he still has mercy still has grace Oh, how many times have we felt God saying things that we couldn't keep or we just didn't keep? Some of us, we've walked in today. You've walked in with regret. You've walked in with condemnation. You've walked in with bitterness in your heart. You've walked in with hurt. You've walked in with pain. You've walked in with addiction. You've, you said before you came in that if I walk in, that, that roof may fall. And let me tell you, if the roof falls in on you, it won't be because of you. It'll be because Daniel Nooner put it up. 
Because you ain't bad enough. I wish you, I hope he's watching and listening. Because you ain't bad enough. You ain't bad enough. You ain't, man, you ain't done enough. Let me tell you. Do you remember a man named Paul? Do you remember? He wasn't just a murderer. He wasn't just a guy that, that, that pulled the trigger or, or did lethal. No, 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 no. He hung people. He cut out their throats. And yet on the road to Damascus, God looked down at him and said, Hey, I know nobody else wants him, but I think I got a work for him to do. I think I got a plan for his life. I think I got a revival that's locked up in that man. We've let God down so many times. So many times. We've even made the statement that I've tried that before. Try it again. Oh, I've been to the church. I've done the church thing. Maybe, maybe you just didn't get what you really need the first time. Maybe you didn't just, you just, you weren't mature enough the second time. Let me tell you, you can try everything else you want to, but this is the only thing you need. And this is the only thing that's going to get you where you need to go. And that is through Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Why did Peter turn his back on the very thing that changed his life? and would continue to change his life. Why is it in our nature to leave the good and embrace the bad? Peter's denial was based partially on weakness because we are weak. Let me tell you, there's not a person in this room that if you think they're living for God, it's not because they're a good person. It's because the power of the Holy Ghost has transformed them. There's not a person on this stage. There's not a person that sang a solo today. I don't know everyone's heart. God knows their heart. But let me tell you, there's not a man good enough. Not my grandparents, great-grandparents, not your grandparents. I'm telling you, there's not your mother, not your father, not you. There's not a man, woman good enough that can do this thing on their own. You have got to have Jesus Christ and the blood applied. Don't do it on your own. You cannot make it on your own and Peter's denial was based upon partially his weakness the weakness born of human frailty and after the last supper Jesus took his disciples to the garden of Gethsemane to await his arrest and he told them you remember this story to stay awake and pray while he went off to pray alone and when he returned to them what, what, what were they doing? they were sleeping they were asleep he warned Peter to stay awake and pray because although his spirit might be willing, because we know Peter's ready to go anywhere. He's ready to do anything. You know, I'll, I'll die with you, Jesus. I won't be offended. Are you crazy? I'm ready. Peter's spirit was willing to do anything, but Jesus knew his flesh was a different story. You see, there's a warring going on. There's some people in here that have good intentions. But you're warring. Your, your flesh is outweighing your spirit big time. There's some people in this place that you have great intentions. You're good. That's some of the best people sitting in this sanctuary right now. But because there is no prayer life, because there is no, there is no assembling of yourselves together, because there is no altar call, you don't, you don't show up, you don't let the Lord, to, because you never open the book, your flesh is, is killing your spirit. And this is where Peter is. Jesus knew. He knew something bad's about to happen. He said, boys, pray. 
So he left and he prayed, but he came back and they were sleeping. And, and when everything, by the time everything come together, Peter had missed his prayer time. And was about to embark on one of the greatest adversaries and enemies that had ever come against them. He fell asleep. And by the time the soldiers had come to arrest Jesus, it was too late to pray for the strength to endure the ordeal to come. Some of us are not overcoming because we're not taking the necessary actions to overcome. Jesus knew if they don't pray, they won't be able to overcome what is about to be on them. If they don't have a moment in the Spirit... They won't be able to make it. We say, make a way, God. Can I tell you, why would He make a way? Why would He make a new way? When a way has already been made. When He has already given us a plan. When He has already showed us what we need to do. God said, if you'll just get down, Peter, and you'll pray. He said, I'll give you the strength. His Spirit will give you the the, the strength. If some of us would just pray. If we would take just a few moments and we pray every day. Our days would be better. Our nights would be better. Our families would be better. Our work situation would be better. Everything would be better. Our relationships would be better. If we would just pray but what we're trying to do is to fight an enemy without any strength without any food without any spiritual food we're trying to fight a devil when we are weak as can be Peter you're going to deny me oh no I would never deny you oh yes you will why because you're not going to pray you're not going to pray. Oh, I'm going to overcome. No, 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 you're not, not, not on your own. Not on your own. You have to pray. No doubt his failure to appropriate the, own, the only means to shore up his own weakness, prayer, occurred to him as he was weeping bitterly after his denials. But Peter must have learned his lesson about being watchful. Because you can read in verse 1 Peter, he said, I learned my lesson. He said, be on the alert because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he made devour. He was saying out of out of experience, hey, you better be aware. You better be prayed up. You better be looking around because there's an enemy that's trying to destroy you and I done been down that road. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then it could have been fear. Maybe it was fear that Peter had. Some of us came in this place with fear all in our lives. We're fear we we're denying Jesus because we're scared of what people will say. Fear. It's just eat us up. Fear has overtaken us. We're afraid of what our family will say. Well, man, well, I can't go down to that church. What would my family say? Fear. I can't go to the altar. People are looking at me. Fear has overtaken us. Peter's sitting there and he wants to, he wants to embrace Jesus. He wants to be that man while everything else is going wrong. That, that while the majority is on that, he wants to be able to stand by Jesus Christ and testify of his goodness. But there he is with no prayer in his life, no relationship at that moment. And there he is having to deny because fear has overtaken him. Let me tell you right now, that's exactly what will keep most of you out of these altars today. It's fear. 
Not, that you, not because you don't want to, because I, I'm telling you before this service is over, there will be a drawing in your spirit. You'll sit on that chair and you'll feel it coming. You'll feel it coming all over you. And you know you've been here, some of you have been here many times. And you said, oh, I wish I could. I wish I could. I want to. But, but what will they say? What will they think of me? Fear is the very thing that will keep you right where you are. Do you know Jesus? No, I, I don't know Jesus. You talk like Him. You, you kind of look like Him. You know what I think? Of, no, 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 no. You're thinking of somebody else. Fear has gripped our hearts. Fear. Peter was afraid Jesus would die. He was fearful for his own life as well. The world hated Jesus. And Peter found that he was not prepared to face the ridicule and persecution that Jesus was suffering. I believe some of us here today that the only thing keeping us back is fear. You want a change. You need something else for a change. You thought about giving God and church a chance. But, but what would my family say? What would my husband say? What would my wife say? What would my kids say? What would my friends say? I'll never forget my first message. About 10 years ago, I was, I was 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. Been a decade. And I was scheduled to preach on a Wednesday night. And many of you may not know, but I, I haven't always lived a godly and a holy and a genuine Christian life. Even though, like I said earlier, I had all the teaching and I had all the example in the world that I needed. I had a praying mama, had a praying daddy, but can I tell you, can I get the witness? For, sometimes it don't matter how much you pray and how much you live for God. Sometimes at the, at the end of the day, a, a child grows into a man and a man has to make his own decisions. And so it didn't matter. It didn't matter how much a relationship I had before me that was living for God. It didn't matter how many people around me. And, and I'll never forget when I finally turned my life back over to the Lord and I was really feeling like God was going to use me. I didn't do this just because I, I, I didn't have anything else to do or I didn't want to do this or I didn't want to do that. Or I, I didn't just choose this because I thought, hey, this will be a good career. That's what my daddy does. And so I, that's not what happened. Matter of fact, when I got in church, I didn't think I could ever preach. I wasn't naive. I didn't think. I knew what people viewed my testimony. Brother Carlos, I knew what people people thought. And so I didn't know. I didn't know if I'd ever preach. But I'll never forget. The Lord started giving me messages. And God started speaking into my life. And God started giving me all sorts of things. And, and I was scheduled to preach on a Wednesday night. And I had heard. I didn't want anybody knowing. Thank God there wasn't Facebook back then or anything. I don't think it was. May have been. But then we wasn't doing graphics. That's for sure. But Jeremy would have had a picture of me on there, and like our Easter graphic. Take that thing off. I didn't want nobody to know. Well, nobody know I was preaching. I was scared to death, Josh Kirkman. And I remember somebody get, sent word to my dad that they had invited some of the football team and some of the coaches. And uh, man, I I was sick to death. I walked in there and I told my dad. I said, "I'm not preaching tonight." He said, oh, yes, you are. I said, oh, no, I'm not. I said, I ain't ready. I ain't ready. I, this ain't for me. I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. They're going to know I, I'm a fake and I'm just, I ain't, I, that's not what I want to do. He said, oh, yes, you are. You're going to preach. 
Because that's what God called you to do. He said, you're going to preach. You know what? Fear had gripped my heart. Because I knew in the back of my, I knew with all my heart. I knew, Brother Willie Fowler, that God called me. That He anointed me. And that He showed me things in the Scripture. That He revealed things. I knew with all my heart. But fear had got all of me. Because I'd worried about what friends would say. And I'd worried about what, what family would say. Oh, that boy, he ain't trying to do nothing. He's just doing this because this and this and that and that and all this. I knew what they'd say. But Thank God I didn't sit back and let fear and the opinions of others stop me from being, being walking in the perfect will of God in my life. And let me tell you right now, the best decision that you'll ever make in your life is to make sure that God is number one and let him have everything. Somebody clap your hands right now. Earlier, Jesus had warned his disciples as well as, as us today. He says this. He was worried. Peter was worried. He knew the world hated Jesus. But Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Don't you worry about it. I don't want people to hate me. Let me tell you something. You're serving a Christ. You're serving a Savior that the world hated Him first, but He still loved Him. He didn't condemn Him. The Bible says He came to seek and to save. You're serving a King that said, hey, I'll die for the same ones that stoned me, the same ones that tried to kill me, the same ones that plotted after me. He said, lay me on this tree and you put nails in my hand because that's who I'm after today. That's who I'm after. Somebody hear me. Don't you let anybody stop you from letting God change your life. But Peter did not just one time. Hear me. Or two times. But three times. Even after, after he had argued that he could never forsake him. He would even lay down his life for him. Could you imagine how Peter felt? What was going through his mind. I, Peter, who was with the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration. I, Peter, who was with the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane. I, Peter, who was chosen, have denied him. There's no doubt some of us in this place, we have had every opportunity to live for God, to please, and yet have chosen time after time again to deny him. First time I ever felt the presence of the Lord. I'll ne I won't forget. I I've never talked about this preaching before ever. The first time, Sister Beverly, that I ever felt the presence of the Lord. I was seven years old. Seven years old. I didn't understand everything. I was raised in church. We was down there in our old property. Brother Dylan was preaching. I was seven years old and I lifted my hands, Brother Tommy Wilbanks, and the Holy Ghost, it was the first time the Holy Ghost had ever come on me. That same night, Eddie Lawton was filled with the Holy Ghost. Seven years old. I was speaking in another language. I knew something was different. But even then, even then, I walked into school. I had friends. Ten years old. I remember I was washing cars out there. I'd still not yet completely been corrupted. My mom said something and I 
Looked at her and I was not a preacher by no means. I didn't preach my first message till I was 20 years old. 10 years old there. She said something and I said, Boy, that'll preach. You remember that? That'll preach. And I'm sure she looked at me right then and dad too and thought that's a pretty good kid right there. He, I believe God's got something for him. Little did they know that over the next several years of my life that I would deny Christ on several occasions. I'd walk away. I'd be embarrassed. I'd be ashamed of my upbringing. I'd be ashamed of different things. I'd deny things. They quickly, I'm sure they quickly regathered that thought and they went from thinking he's going to be a great man of God to God save his life. Help him. Help him, God. Let me tell you, I know, I know what it's like to have failed him on numerous occasions. I know what it's like to have let him down on most of my life. I know what it's like, Brother Bud, to get one step step forward and then to take ten steps back. I know what it's like to have people prophesy to you and pray over you and only to feel like you've let them down. I know what it's like to walk into a service and feel like you're the chiefest of sinners. I know what it's like to have baggage when you walk into the room and look around and think I don't deserve to be here and I don't belong with these people because I'm different than they are. I know what it's like but thank God brother Glenn Parker that God never give up on me and when he sent word he said hey I got something for this generation but you let Corey know that he's not out of the picture because I'm going to have an anointing on his life. Let me tell you right now, God is not through with you. He has not given up on you. He laid his life down for every person in this room. I don't care what you're addicted to. I don't care what you got yourself into. I don't care how many times you've committed adultery or fornication. I don't care how many times you've lied and you've cheated and you've committed theft. God still believes in you and he's still got a plan in you. I wish somebody would stand to their feet right now and say, thank you God you never left me you never give up on me <laughs> but Kay Hodge I don't know how many times I was 17 18 19 years old I'd walk to that altar and I'd get down and I'd really feel the Lord and I'd walk back out into the, and do the same stuff that I was doing before. I can't tell you how many times I nailed Jesus Christ back to the cross. I can't tell you how many times I put him back on Calvary. I can't tell you how many times I let him relive that day when he felt betrayed, when everybody was denied. I can't tell you how many times I walked down to that place. I remember... I turned my back and felt God so many times that when I walked in that night in New Albany, when I showed up to church that night, I thought that God, there was no way God could give me another chance. That maybe He would give me a chance, but He wasn't giving me ministry. 
and he wasn't giving me an anointing and he wasn't letting me lead anything or anybody because I couldn't be trusted I couldn't be trusted and I sat there and I prayed so I was weeping in the seat and I told Belina I, I told God that day I said God I know this is probably my last chance God I'm going to walk down to this altar Lord and if I feel you if I feel you I said I'm going to do my best to never fail you again and I walked down to that altar and I laid my face on that altar and I wept and I, I could literally I told you the first time I ever felt the presence of God was when I was seven can I tell you I felt him even stronger after I denied him and, and then had failed him so many times when I was 20 years old I was on my knees and I was just trembling under the power of the Holy Ghost God changed my life that day. And can I tell you, can I tell you I failed him since then? Can I tell you I failed him? I failed him. I failed him preaching the gospel all over this country. I failed him preaching all, all over the world. I failed him. He keeps open doors and I told him, I tell him, God, I keep failing you. I keep failing you. And yet he still, he still includes me. He still has mercy. He still has grace. He says, but go your way. He has a message for him. He said, I know Peter's denied me. He said, I know y'all denied him. Deni know that he denied me. He says, but go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter. Understand what is happening here. As I'm coming quickly to a close. Jesus has been through a trial where he was mocked and criticized. Beat with a cat of nine tails. With blood dripping off him, carries a tree on his back up a hill called Calvary. Then he laid on that tree and men literally took spikes and they nailed it to him. Spikes hammered through his hands, hammered through his feet. And then he was placed between two thieves as if he was a common criminal. And while on that cross, soldiers are gambling for his garments they placed a crown of thorns on his head. And Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He gives up his spirit that day. Breath. Breathes his final breath and dies. Jesus is taken down off that blood-stained cross and prepared for burial. This looks like it's the end. Roman guards watch over the tomb to prevent anyone from stealing or tampering with the body. Jesus, hours go by. Friday, Saturday, then sun Sunday shows up and the stone has been rolled away. And what's so amazing is with all that that went down, with all the blood, with all the betrayal, with all the pain, Jesus has been apparently thinking about Peter. He's on that cross, bud. He's going through the most atrocious pain that he has ever felt. He's placed in a tomb. The tomb's rolled away. And while all that's going on, in the back of his mind, he said, I gotta let Peter know. I gotta let Peter know that even though he denied me, that even though he forsook me, that even though He left me, 
I've got to remind him that he's still a part of the fold. I wish somebody lift their hands today. I wish you'd pray for just a moment. I'm almost finished. But I want you to realize how much specification that God places upon your soul. Don't you miss your moment today. Don't you miss your moment. Don't you miss your moment. Do you realize that the Roman soldiers that day they missed their moment. They missed their moment because they thought it was just another crucifixion. They thought that it was just another day at work. But the Bible says that that day that the graves in Jerusalem were opened. But yet the soldiers still missed their moment. That was the day that the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. But yet the soldiers missed their moment. You see, you came in with the mindset that this is just another service. That this is just another Easter. That this is just another sermon. But let me tell you that there's a moment set in this place that God is saying, you tell my church, but you also tell Peter. You tell my people, but you also tell Lionel. You also tell Tyler. You also tell Jennifer. You also tell Blake. You also tell Thomas. You also tell John. You let Danny know. You let Bobby know. You let Tommy and Kissy know. You let Ray and Becky know. You let Roy and Apple know. That while I know they denied me, you let Carlos know he's still a part of the fold that I have not given up on him you let Peter know that all that stuff about me building my church upon him that all that stuff you tell him that he's still a part of the kingdom can you stand to your feet today you thought God was finished with you you thought God could never use you. You thought it was over. But these altars are open today. And I wish to goodness that somebody would not worry about who's around them and not miss their moment and say, God, that was a word for me. That was a word for me. That was a message for me. That was a notice. God, that was you telling me today, God. He said, go tell your disciples and Peter. And Peter. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The Holy Ghost is all over this place. The Holy Ghost is in this house. 
I don't know what it is. I don't know what sin you're harboring. I don't know what baggage you're carrying. I don't know what kind of bitterness you have locked up inside you. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I know this, that God has still got a plan for you. And God still has a purpose for you. And God's looking down and he notices you the same way he notices Zach, Zacchaeus. The same touch that he felt from that woman with the issue of blood. He could feel your heartbeat today. He can feel virtue leave his body and he's trying to minister to you. He's trying to let you touch, let you have a touch, let you be strengthened. Oh, hallelujah. Go ahead.